When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. To the post Minnesota Vikings and Detroit Lions version of the Purple Podcast, Matthew Collar here along with Judd Zolgad, and uh, I will start out Judd with my opening comments that the Vikings defensive line put on the whooping of a century on Matt Stafford. By the end of the first quarter, you could tell that Matthew Stafford's feet were happy, and the rest of him was not because he looked terrified for the entire game. He was not able to work the ball down the field as he often can when he's at his best. And he was simply pummeled by a defensive line that had its best player back in and playing much more like himself in Everson Griffin. And if not for that, this game could have been a lot more compelling, but it just didn't. Nothing mattered that the Vikings did in this game because their defensive line won it by themselves. So let's go through the sacks, Matthew Collard. Daniil Hunter, three and a half sacks for 14 and a half yards and losses, but that wasn't the top yards lost. Your guy, Tom Johnson, two and a half sacks, cost Stafford 18 and a half yards and lost yardage. Griffin, a sack and a half. Mackenzie Alexander off a blitz a sack. Um, Sheldon Richardson had half a sack. Weatherly had a whole one. The point being is, yes, this game, and, and was this game, listen, the style points aren't there, okay? The, the offense had opportunities to definitely put a nail in the Lions' coffin, and they did not do it. But was this game in Game 9 not the definition of a Zimmer blueprint game? which is your offense does enough. They're not terrible. They're not great, but they're not terrible. But your defense absolutely steamrolls the opponent. I felt that this was really the first time in nine games that we saw, if you said to Mike, Mike, what's your ideal game? I mean, just tell me your ideal game. I think what we saw today at U.S. Bank Stadium pretty much qualified. This was 100% a 2017-style victory where – Things were not perfect on the offensive side that they made a couple of mistakes, a couple of turnovers, which was not on 2017 like it. They didn't turn the ball over very much last year, but the offense was not perfect. And yet nothing that they did impacted them. The mistake on the Delvin Cook fumble, the interception from Kirk Cousins, neither of those things made a difference whatsoever because the defense was so incredibly dominant 
from start to finish. And the way that we look at this team, Judd, we've been trying to decide from week to week to week, could they really be a Super Bowl contender or are they not? So they lose against New Orleans and we're like, okay, well, it's a lot harder to call them a Super Bowl contender. And they beat up on a bunch of easy teams, the Jets, Arizona. Okay, I'm not impressed. Here's where I'm impressed, though, here. The Lions are not a good football team, and their head coach might just be a clown. Have some respect for the process. I know, Don't talk. Why I do know. you talk like that? And look at that hoodie you're wearing. I know, and my posture right now Sit up. is a Here, complete... I'm going to do the rest of the show, although people can't see me, with my legs spread and I'm oh, slouched please. way oh, down. Oh, my gosh. Look at this, huh? Stop. You like this? Stop. You like this look? For the love of God, stop. It doesn't matter what your posture is. Matt Patricia can't see you. He'll listen to the podcast after he gets fired, though, at home. So I, I don't have a whole lot of respect for them. But I do have a whole lot of respect for Everson Griffin and what he is. And when we were trying to analyze whether this is a real NFC North champion-type caliber team, Super Bowl contender, to me it hinges on Everson Griffin. And it always did because the defensive line is good but not ridiculously good without him Stephen Weatherly nice player not top five player at his position and that's what Tom Johnson called Everson after the game and I can't disagree he is one of the most impactful players on a week-to-week basis he never stops he's the motor he's the heart and soul of this defense and you saw it today he just kept them going through the whole game in the fourth quarter They're up, the game's over, and they're still sacking Matt Stafford because Everson Griffin is plowing his guy back into the quarterback. And they were all good. Linval was good. They had a stop on a third down. As always, some stupid team runs at Linval Joseph on third and one because it always happens and they always get stuffed. But it was really Everson to me where it all started. And Tom, after the game, was telling me about getting one-on-one matchups today. And Tom Johnson's a heck of a player. I can't believe Seattle botched it the way that they did, letting him go. One of the most bizarre moves. So the Vikings bring him back. If he's one-on-one with a guard, he beats them. He always has since he's been here 2015 or 14 and beyond. He's always mm-hmm. done it. Mm-hmm. So now you look, this looks like a talented, a deep defensive line with its monster coming off the edge. And here's something that's even a little scary. Everson said he still felt a little rusty at times today. And I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. And this is not an offensive line, Judd, that's a joke. The Lions have good players on their offensive line. So this is two things to me. It's Griffin and Hunter playing and playing well. And it's depth then. Because the depth, if, if you recall, the, the whole thing uh, coming out of the Philadelphia game in the NFC title game last year was the defensive linemen looked tired. And the training camp storyline was they're going to bring in more guys. And in fact, go back to week one against San Francisco on this very field when they attempted a line change like in hockey. And Zimmer's like, whoa, 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 not that much change. But the fact was that going into 2018, we talked about the fact that you were going to be able to effectively use that depth. Well, then Griffin's out and things went haywire. That's a key. Zimmer also brought this up in the postgame press conference fairly unprompted, and I thought it was very intriguing. First five games through the Rams game, this defense looked ordinary. This defense looked nothing like what was the uh, top defense in the National Football League in 2017. The last five games, it started to come together, including without Griffin, maybe not like today, but it's gotten statistically better. Zimmer said 
I've had to make some changes, and he didn't go into specifics, obviously, but he said, I've had to make some changes in what we did because teams had adjusted, and in fact, defenses, opposing defenses had adopted what we were doing, and so it wasn't as hard to beat those things. And so he basically, without breaking it down, said, the important thing in the last five games is we've changed things so the teams don't know exactly what's coming. Essentially saying, in those first five games, we still did what we did well a year ago, but those things now got exploited, and these past five games, they haven't been. And where I've really noticed it, especially, is on third down, that opponents have no idea where the rush is coming from. They are blitzing more than they did last year. Last year, it was very much... Now, they would still do double-A gap and things like that, but it was very much the front four were so good that they would just line them up and then cover everybody. And now, on almost every third down, there's a pressure coming from a different space, whether it's the left side, the inside, the outside, the right side. And you saw it from Mackenzie Alexander. There's someone unblocked for a sack every week now. Last week, it was Stephen Weatherly comes through and hits... Uh, or pressures Drew Brees into throwing an interception. No one blocked him on that play. Alexander has three sacks on the year. All of them are unblocked. And it seems like they're doing that all the time. And where that really starts is this is a Lions team that had a running back coming in averaging six yards a carry. And he did nothing. From the very beginning, they were in the game a lot, and he did nothing. He couldn't run the ball at all. And look, I mean, it's passing league and all that sort of stuff. But when you have a defensive line and a defensive-minded coach who knows all about how to pressure a quarterback and the other team cannot run and it's second and nine all the time, it's third and long all the time, they are going to just use all of their powers to stop you. And that's the type of situation where the Vikings can win and look like they have in the past under Zimmer. Right now, this looks like the top five type of defense that you expected them to be. And even in a lot of ways played well against New Orleans, but the turnovers hurt them. But they weren't letting New Orleans fly up and down the field on them either. And then they crush the bad teams they're supposed to crush and now crush the Lions here. It's just this is what we expected at the beginning of the season. It took a little while to get here, Mm -hmm. but now as we're talking about contenders in the NFC, it certainly is Los Angeles and New Orleans at the top, but today with this win, I think the Vikings bumped themselves up in status because of how it happened. I could see that a little bit, and the thing too is so these last four games going into the bye were imperative to me because you had to win to go into the bye with things where you ideally wanted them to be. You had to take three of four. And you had three cream puffs, right? You had the Cardinals, who are just god-awful. The Jets, who are, are not as bad, but certainly a dumpster fire. And this Lions team, you know what? Everybody in this state should send the Lions a thank you note because Matt Patricia has set that franchise back again. And so so if you beat the Saints, it changes the conversation. But you said, okay, even if you lose that game to the Saints, which you did, if you beat the Cardinals, you did, the Jets on the road, you, you did, and Detroit, you're in good shape. And so going into the bye, this team's in extremely good shape now as far as the division goes. The conversation of are, are they a top team, I still don't know. But the other thing that you got going for you is you get the week off and the week 10 by I love 
it's ideal. It's the greatest buy. Because if you have a buy in week five, who cares? It's too early in your season. But what you get now is you get the opportunity to come out of the buy. You go to Chicago, and then on a Sunday night at U.S. Bank Stadium, play host to Green Bay. So you are essentially, when it comes to the division, in complete control now. If you can come out and beat Chicago in, in Chicago, which has always been a tough game for this franchise, it seems like, or certainly has been in the last 20 years or so, and then follow that up by beating Green Bay here, you put yourself in extremely good shape. So the next five games will really determine where they're going to end up because you have the game in Chicago and then those three games back-to-back-to-back of Hall of Fame-level quarterbacks, and that's going to determine whether the Minnesota Vikings are a top contender or whether they're desperate for a wild-card spot. Uh, But if you're talking about the confidence level, Doing this to Matthew Stafford, who is not a joke. I mean, this is a guy who has won two games here at U.S. Bank Stadium. He has never really put together a great game against the Vikings, but he's beaten the Vikings with Mike Zimmer, and he's dangerous, and we know that the guy has a laser arm, and, and even you know one of the throws that he made that set up a field goal instead of a touchdown because of the defense uh, was incredible. Just like, wow, the velocity on that throw. And the guy has the ability to move around in the pocket and all those things, and to just completely smother him and make him look like Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen is what you will need to beat Aaron Rodgers, to beat Russell Wilson, to beat um, Tom Brady, potentially. I mean, that's going to be a tough one going there, but still, like the Patriots are not unbeatable. So if you're going to take two out of three of those games, which I think they may, and let's say they split with Chicago or something like that, like then you can be in good shape. But... It's not going to be easy, and the defense will have to play like this, and you just can't overemphasize having Griffin back because who, who had to play today other than the defensive line? I mean, the, the cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers, I mean, they did their job, but it wasn't like they were getting lots of time to throw against Xavier and, Rhodes. And Rhodes played hurt too. Right, so they couldn't take advantage of him at all because Correct. Stafford couldn't throw the ball down the field. Their screen passes were getting blown up. But even before he could throw the pass, more or less, uh, on a few of those plays. So they gave Stafford no chance, and they made everyone's job easier. And I've thought this throughout this season, Judd, about Harrison Smith, where last year he's one of the best players in the NFL. This year he's been great at times, okay at times. But when the defensive line is playing the way it is, it makes everyone look better. Oh, it yeah. makes Rhodes look like even better of a shutdown corner. Yep. It makes Harrison look even better of a great safety. So they're already good to begin with. And Barr didn't play too today. Keep that in mind as well. That that's an important thing. As you as you tried to decide, is there an inkling or a chance that you would pay Barr? I, I think the answer becomes more and more probably, absolutely not. Yeah, no, I he's going to get so a huge too. contract somewhere. And, and I think Eric Wilson has been really good from training camp. And I, and I wanted to mention, speaking of that. Things that you see in training camp in the preseason can fool you for sure. And I would say Laquan Treadwell has done that maybe twice. There are other things, though, in training camp and preseason that tell you exactly how it's going to go. Daniil Hunter looked like a monster in training camp and preseason. He'd play five snaps and get five pressures in a sack or something crazy like that in preseason. And it's carried over to this that he has gone from a great player that was worth buying into to one of the best contracts in the NFL from an elite pass rusher who is getting paid more like a so-so defensive end. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. And then to the other side of the ball, Chad Beebe. The guy came in. He was the last guy signed before camp. Looks like he's the last guy on the depth chart. And 
Corey Robertson, Jeff Badditt, these guys he just beats out and beats out and beats out. He gets his first opportunity today, and fourth and one, they go to Chad Beebe, he makes a big play, and he looks like a guy that you might compare to someone like Jarius Wright. Yep. Like someone who is going to show up only for 10 plays but make two catches, and they're both big. How much does this also come back to a very, very simple thing? And this is something that, that some good players can't do, and it costs them the opportunity to have a great career. Run the correct route. Know what you're doing. <laughs> yep. No, I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, this league, this league as far as, and I'm not talking the mosses, but as far as do you want to carve out a niche in this league and be successful at that position? If you do, run the right routes, be in the right place, and if you're there and the quarterback's like, hey, I can rely on this guy, guess what? He's going to throw you the ball. And BB and Thielen and guys like that, at least the starting point for them is, they're in the proper place they should be, and that builds up a confidence that says to the quarterback, I'm at least going to give you a chance to catch the ball because you are where you should be. So what's really interesting about that, and, and that's Jarius Wright's career, what you just mentioned, is running the right route, being in the right spot, and that's all Chad Beebe has to do to succeed when there's so much attention going to other places. And I will tell you also from having a few chats with Aldrick Robinson, he's a, he's a very bright guy. And no surprise that Kirk Cousins liked him and wanted to bring him here, that he's a smart guy who's going to mostly be in the right spots and be reliable when you throw in the ball. Did have a, I guess I'll call it a semi-drop. I mean, when you have bombs like that, they're much harder to catch. But Also, it, it went through his hands. Uh, uh, yeah, he passed on the went, right side. It went through his hands, and a great throw by Kirk Cousins on that play. Overall, from the quarterback position, it was not a great day today, and... That's kind of what you're referring to with Mike Zimmer is that the Vikings have to be able to win games when their quarterback makes a mistake or two. I mean, th think about this, Judd, that last week we talked about how there were two mistakes that the Vikings made, two turnovers, and everyone made the hugest deal out of those two turnovers. They had two turnovers today, and they didn't mean a damn thing right. because the defense played so well, and the opposing team's quarterback couldn't handle the pressure. That's how it's going to have to be for this Vikings team down the stretches. They're going to have to know that the other side of the ball is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be consistent all the time, putting up big point totals. They will make mistakes. They will have some errors, but... They are good enough on a day like today to take advantage when their defense okay. does the job. Okay, but that but what you just said goes back to the very point of, of what we've discussed about Cousins so many times during the course of the first nine games, which is I don't think the expectation is that this offense is going to be perfect. I think that they felt that Cousins was a more reliable thing to bet on than Keenum was. But this also goes back to why you can't afford mistakes in key games. Because this defense is good enough to win you games. What they can't be is sabotaged by the offense, which is why Cousins was here. But that's why we harp so many times on the fact that he can't make mistakes in absolutely key games. You're, you're playing Detroit. Guess what? I'll give you two mistakes. You can make them. It hurts you a little bit, but you can make them. But when we get to the playoffs or, or the Saints game and or we get to the Patriots game, you need your offense it doesn't have to be perfect, and it doesn't not have to move at the speed of sound offensively, but what it needs to do is not make mistakes. So when your defense maybe forces Brady or the Patriots into a mistake, you can capitalize. That, that's, the winning formula is not perfection as far as, as you operate as this great Rams-like offense. The winning formula for this team is great defense 
and an offense that doesn't make mistakes that end up killing you. That's, that's why the conversation, and for those who say that, that we harp on Cousins too much, that's why the conversation of ball possession and turnovers is so important. So since we're doing this on a week-to-week basis with Kirk Cousins, uh, was the interception his fault? I asked him about it a couple times uh, in the press conference to try and get an answer. Okay, first of all, I thought, I thought, and you pointed this out in the press box as the play developed, the Treadwell at the line of scrimmage made a motion to Cousins that almost was asking a question of some sort. And so I said, was there confusion there? And he said, no. And he said that the cornerback made a very good play, but that ball can either go to Treadwell if he clears out the corner, which I don't think he did, or it can go to Thielen, who came cross field on a shorter route. Ultimately, at the end, though, Cousins said, it's my responsibility to dirt that ball, and I probably, in retrospect, should have. So, so I mean, but this always goes back to the point of it's always up to the quarterback, right? I mean, Diggs didn't complete his route, but guess who had the ball before it got picked off? Kirk Cousins. So, in this case, Cousins took the responsibility as far as saying, ultimately, I probably should have just thrown the ball in the dirt. And as Brad Childers loved to say, live to play another down. Well, and that's something that he just is never going to do, it seems. I, I, I don't think that his... What, admit to it? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, throw it away. Oh, yeah, like, we, yeah. Even Stafford was doing that all day today. That, well, that's the thing, that Stafford had about the worst day you can have. I mean, he just got whipped. But on a couple of different occasions, the offensive line for the Lions got beat immediately, and he flung it out of the back of the end zone. There's no interception. You just go on to the next thing. There's no risk taken there. And it amazes me how few times Kirk Cousins ever throws the ball away. I, I, I don't know why that is. I mean, maybe it's just not his immediate reaction. His reaction is to always try to make something happen. But on a play like that, he, it's on a boot, right? So he rolls out, and the defender is right in his face. So they've got it. At that point, you throw it away, throw it out of bounds. At worst case, you're supposed to take a sack, not fling it up in the air. But fling seems to be a word that we're using all the time with him, just throwing it up there. And that is something that can't happen, especially if their defense is playing well, because if they're shutting down the other team for the most part, you can't open the door for a team like Detroit to beat you or if you do it like you've said against one of those good teams it's going to be problematic I just don't know what they're supposed to do to solve this now I think this is a thing that we are in the territory of you work around and you hope he's so good in other areas and the defense is so good that it paints over this or it just doesn't pop up at the wrong times so even in this game like the when that interception happens is not a huge deal when the New Orleans one happened was a huge deal right. because in part of the timing of it, right. the score, the situation at that, at this point, you're up seven to three. I think when he throws the pick, you're in okay shape. Even if they score, you're fine. When it happened against New Orleans, you weren't fine. And when it's happened in some other games, it could have had the potential Arizona could have had the potential to ruin your day. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't, but I don't know at this point in his career with him as just being who he is, how you're fixing this. Like putting – even Zimmer puts a sign in the quarterback room this week that says stop turning the ball over, and they yeah. turn the ball over. Here's what I would do. If, if it was up to me, what I, what I would do is – because – and I'm not comparing these two players in, in, in any way, shape, or form because one's in Canton and Kirk won't be, I don't think. But um, his tendency to try and make a play is far of like – it's like I've got an arm too because – Kirk Cousins has a very good arm. 
And Favre had a brilliant arm. And, and I think guys with arm strength think to themselves, bleep it, I can make a play. So what I would do before uh, Kirk goes on his break for the bye week is I would actually take cut-ups of his mistakes throughout his career and Favre cut-ups of Favre's mistakes, and I would sit him down and say, Kirk, we have a defense that's better than this. You don't, you don't need to worry about this. So what I'm going to show you is I'm going to show you and Brett trying to force passes, and I want you to think about this and then understand that defensively we can basically almost single-handedly win games. And so look at these mistakes and realize these are exactly in the last portion of the season with, uh, I believe, after the bye, seven games left. These are the exact mistakes we don't want you to make because arm strength-wise and talent-wise, you're really good. I mean, he is really good. And, and I think what he has to come to grips with is, is it better to try and make a play that actually might be successful and he'll be a hero if he does and it'll be on ESPN and all the highlight shows or ultimately if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, is it better to sometimes just eat or throw away the football and know that your defense has a very good chance if they have to play that they're going to get to stop giving you the ball back? So the way, yeah, the way that I look at that is there are – Things that the Vikings can do to mitigate some of these mistakes, I think, by focusing on plays like screen passes, where when you have Delvin Cook back in the lineup, and that's what I want to talk about here in a second, but when you have him back in the lineup and you can throw these screen passes, you can create yards and plays in areas where Kirk Cousins basically can't hurt you, but he can execute them really well. Like, you've seen this before, that something like a swing pass, for you and I, like, we're like, oh, it should be pretty easy. But then you see a quarterback who's really awful, and they blow a swing pass or something. Like, Kirk can execute every single one of these things to a T. He can execute perfectly a, a screen pass out of the backfield into a bunch of traffic and things like that. We saw it come very close. The offensive linemen were actually a little annoyed with themselves that they didn't quite get the blocks on a couple screen passes that almost turned into huge explosive plays, they will. If Delvin Cook is 100% and this keeps happening, especially with Brian O'Neill in at right tackle, which I have to say his progress has been remarkable from a guy who looked like he was going to be a year or two away to somebody now starting and playing well. It says a lot about him, I think, as a person, even more than just as a player, that to, to work that hard because we've seen plenty of guys melt under the pressure, not want to do the work, and things like that. And, and he's done that to be now their starting right tackle. But he's quick. He's fast. He's mobile. He can find safeties and corners in space. And those plays will make it for free yards for Cousins. They're free plays. It's, here's 20 yards where you had to throw it one. And that's Case Keenum got a ton of those last year. I also think that if you're going to have a mistake by Cousins, Having it be on a play that was 30 yards down the field and is basically a punt is the best way to have it. So the idea, I think, from Filippo is to have him getting balls off really quickly like that or just throwing it deep. So if it's a mistake, then it can't really hurt you. Yep. And they can mitigate some of these errors. But, I mean, it still does kind of blow your mind that it's every single week. <laughs> well, and, and I, I think the important part of this discussion, whether it involves uh, Cousins, O'Neal, whomever is, you need to always translate it to when you're playing the best teams as well. Right. So, like, you're playing Detroit, that's great that you're successful. But Detroit looks to me to be regressing in, into the Detroit Lions that we've known for a long time, up until, like, the last five years. So it needs to be, okay, you're playing the Saints again. And that's a team that if your quarterback makes a mistake, they're going to exploit it. 
that's a team where if you're starting a, a project right tackle who, to his credit, is making progress, they're going to exploit it. So what can you do? What can you do to put yourself in the best possible position in those games? And, and I'm with you, though. I do think anybody that underestimated the return of Cook shouldn't have. Dalvin, right. yep. Dalvin Cook, to me, if, if you want Judd hyperbole, Dalvin Cook, to me, is a difference maker in this offense, and I think it's massive. And I've been, I've been mocked for that and, and told, yeah, Dalvin Cook. He's, no, Dalvin Cook is that good. Dalvin Cook adds a dimension to your offense that, God bless Murray, because I think he works hard and I think he's a good player. But when you have Dalvin in there, it is, it is an absolute difference maker in what your quarterback and the entire offense can do from a play calling standpoint and an execution standpoint. Yeah, and a couple of the offensive linemen said that today about the screen game because I asked Pat Elfline and Brian O'Neill just, you know, what does that add to your offense? Because they really didn't use it with Latavius Murray. And I was surprised that they didn't use it more with Murray, but now Cook comes back and they run four or five of those in a single game, and it shows every other team, you better watch out for this. And something that I really like today, Murray's in it running back, so is Delvin Cook. Cook motions to a wide receiver spot. That is going to mess with the opposing They did that in teams. week one, right? I think San may Francisco have. a couple times. It's a great move. It is. Because it yeah. causes havoc. And because he is so dangerous as a wide receiver, too. Or you could run him a jet sweep. I mean, there's so many different things you could do with this player. And then, did you hear, Judd, that uh, he ran the fastest anyone has run this year in the entire NFL on that 70-yard run? I did not. I did not. But he told Zimmer... I believe the quote from Mike was that he put it in third gear or four. He basically said, because of the hamstring, I didn't chance it, so I didn't put it in my top gear. Wow. So, if that, so combined with what you just told me, that, but that's why, that's why if you want me to get excited about a player, this is a player that excites me a lot. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's the thing about, you know, we go from last week to this week, and what's the big change because of the way we're talking about this win? But there was a lot that was different. And there was a lot that points to this team being an actual contender and Delvin Cook and Everson Griffin being who they are is the biggest difference there because that's two elite players. With Delvin Cook, he's never been in for more than a couple of games in a row. As Kirk Cousins pointed out. When he is, I know, I was surprised that he kind of... You pay for the show and you don't get to see the show. You know, it's sort of disappointing. He kind of went there with uh, Delvin Cook. But, I mean, the, the injuries are not his fault with Cook. I mean, it's just, you know, the knee and then he has the hamstring issue. Uh, probably caused by the fact that he wasn't really fully participating in all the camp practices. It happens to a lot of different players coming off that injury, but he certainly looked like he was in fifth gear or whatever to me on that run. But if he's back and Griffin plays like this, it's just a different team. And and the fact that, Judd, they had an offensive line that performed the way they did today with O'Neal that's where it's going to be tested, though, like you said, by the great teams. But O'Neal in over Rashad Hill, if he's continuing to get better, yep. that's a pretty big bump compared to what you have in Rashad Hill as far as talent goes. I think it is, it's not a hot take to say, to your point, if Griffin and Cook aren't playing, this is not a Super Bowl team. It's just not. It's a good team probably. It's an okay team. But it's not, it's not a championship team. If Cook and Griffin are, are fully engaged, though, this team can contend. And if either one of those, those guys goes out, out again, you're in trouble because you can't replace them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, in, but in the case of getting both of them back today, I think what you saw going into the bye was the potential that the Vikings have to, to be the best that they could possibly be. 
So what did you make of the fact that Adam Thielen had four catches for 22 yards today? Got doubled a lot, and if Diggs is not playing, uh, Thielen's not going to be the same player. But that being said, if you ask me, if you tell me tomorrow that Diggs can come back and Cook goes back out, I don't make that that switch. I take I take Thielen or Diggs being out and Cook being in because because as much as that might hurt you, I I think that when it comes to Cousins and his strengths and, and the strengths of the play calling for this offense. I would rather chance it with with wide receivers than I would having a guy like Cook out just because Cook can do so damn much. I, I don't That's think, a tough call. But. I don't think I could get on the same page with that because I think Diggs is where it all starts for the entire offense, and we saw that today where it was a collective effort against a really bad defense, and they didn't have to even get to 200 yards passing to win this game because of their defense. But if they are in a shootout without Stephon Diggs, I still – can't possibly trust Laquan Treadwell with anything. And Chad Beebe was a nice story today, and he might step in. But how about Cook in. playing? But, but if they were to properly use Mike Boone, Rock Thomas, with Latavius Murray rushing, I, I think that they could create enough there. It's not the same. It's not the same. But without Diggs, if they're in a shootout with someone else, I think they're in huge trouble because we saw it. The, the Detroit Lions game plan for Adam Thielen. They put good corners on him. They doubled him in all key situations. Yep. And they were able to take him away. I, that's why I always look at this as the when we talk about the best receivers in the NFL, I say A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, because no one can take them away, and they know they're throwing there every time, and it, it just can't be done. Right. Whereas these two are the best tandem in the NFL because you might be able to take one of them away if the other one is gone, but you can't stop both at the same time. So I think you need both for this offense to actually cook, where with Delvin, huh? Oh, well, God, uh, that was bad. Uh, how I thought about that? at first you just screwed up, nope, but then I, I realized didn't. it was on purpose. Um, God, but, I'm but, but with Cook, we've seen them have enough offensive success without him. It's just, if you want to be a Super Bowl caliber offense, I think you need all of those things well, cooking. Oh, God, help us. All right, I'll throw this back at you. I don't know if it's a shootout. I think this team's in trouble. That's probably true, yeah. So I don't think you can afford if you if you go replicate and you're completely healthy at the Rams game again, I think you still lose. So so if you say shootout, I say no. This defense, this de- this is it, the formula here. If it's concocted correctly with Zim making all his uh, mad scientist changes again after the fifth game, I think is dependent on the fact that it doesn't go to a shootout because what you need is this defense to contain teams. And then you, and then the way I think of this offense is what, how could it be most effective without having to necessarily be high powered? So if you go into the Rams game again and you're like, let's do it again, boys, I'm taking the Rams nine times out of 10 in that game yep. because then it's also the shootout aspect also puts way too much on the shoulders of your quarterback, and I don't like that. I think he can – listen, I think he is, can be very good, and I think he's got a great arm and can make plays. But if I'm like – if I have to sit down and look Kirk Cousins in the eye and say, Kirk, go win this game for us, I don't like my odds. So something else we saw today that just can't be said enough is U.S. Bank Stadium and the impact that it has on opposing quarterbacks. This will be important. Oh. This is going to be important. Mike, Mike Zimmer called for more skull chance, and you in the press box, Judd, we just couldn't get you to stop. So uh, Zimmer wanted them. more skull chance, but, but this place just has such a huge impact on communication 
with offensive lines. And it speaks to the need to win the NFC North, I think, that if you can get a home playoff game, you've got a chance because this is just a different team here than it is anywhere else, especially when it comes to the defensive line. So, all right, before we wrap up, 5-3-1. and one Let's play a game. At the break. I thought you were going to play a game with me. No, we me. can play a game. I want you to grade the things that I tell you to grade. All right. Okay? Okay. So grade for me, and this is going to be a uh, Purple Live entire episode with Courtney Cronin where we're going to go through we're going to go through everything and grade everything. But I just want you to grade for me. She's a tough lady. Through you know. five and one. Tough. She's like a white tiger. She's a tough teacher. The offense okay. of the Minnesota Vikings. Give me a grade up until now, up until the break. From, I mean, from week one to now. I'm sorry. On what system? Just, you know, A, B, C, D. Okay. All right. F. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, I'm going to give the offense up until now B minus. B minus. The mistakes, the mistakes take away from it being just a solid B, but it's been, they've done some good things. That Rams game, they screwed up at the end, but that defense that night was absolutely not good. And, and Cousins and the offense kept that team in that game. So I would say given the fact that it's not their fault that Dalvin Cook got hurt in week two at Green Bay, B minus. Grade for me the defense. Wow, it's like two seasons. It's like, it's like the first five games and then the next, what is it, four games. Um, solid B. Solid B. Bad start. Starting with the, the second half of the Saints playoff game through the Rams game, I think we all said, what the hell happened? But since then, it's been a solid. So I'm going to give them, especially based on 10 sacks today, a very solid B. All right, now tell me this. What is the Minnesota Vikings' final record? Well, I got to factor in a bleep and tie into that son of a buck, too. I hate doing that. So they're at 5-3-1 right now, right? Correct. So I think that they get to, just off the top of my head, with seven games left, I think they get to... Would nine wins make sense? Yeah. About nine wins? Yep, that's what I would have meant. Because I mean, nine, six and one. Feeding the Patriots on the road is going to be a huge task. I, I don't, I think it's a realistic ask to go into Chicago and win. It's a tough place to win, but I think it's going to be a tough game. But you can win there. You can certainly beat the Packers. I think it's a big ask to beat the Patriots on the road. You're at Seattle, which is a weird game because at the start of the year, I thought Seattle was going to be a dumpster fire, and they've actually improved. I'll give them nine wins. Okay. So here's what's coming up for everybody. We got the Purple Live show on Tuesday night with Courtney and myself. Tuesday night this week? Tuesday night. Okay. Every Tuesday night. Okay. Um, Six to seven o'clock over the air on 1500 ESPN. Sage Rosenfels and I will be getting together as always. Journeyman quarterback of the week. Maybe we'll look back at the best journeyman around the league because there's no upcoming game. Uh, So we'll have lots of uh, conversation about where this team stands and where they're going through the bye week. So we'll catch you all then here on the Purple Podcast. Skull. Stop it, Judd. Skull. Stop, please. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.